This episode of Astronomy Cast is brought to you by Swinburne Astronomy Online, the world's longest-running online astronomy degree program. Visit astronomy.swin.edu.au for more information. Astronomy Cast episode 193 from Monday, June 7th, 2010. Astronomy with the unaided eye. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. My name is Fraser Kane. I'm the publisher of Universe Today, and with me is Dr. Pamela Gay, a professor at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Hi, Pamela. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's so good to be recording in the same month that we're existing it, in. I know. I know. Yeah, the, the summer of episodes is grinding on, and we're pretty much caught up. And uh, we hope to get ahead because you're going to be traveling like crazy in July. So Yes. If you're going to be at TAM, I shall see you at TAM. If you're a scientist and going to be at the NASA Lunar Forums, I will be at the NASA Lunar Forums. If you're an educator and you're going to be at the Astronomical Society of the Pacific meeting, I will be at the Astronomical <laughs> Society of the Pacific meeting. And then both Fraser and I will be at Dragon Con. And then both in September. In September. And then both Fraser and I will be at the U.S. Science and Engineering Festival in Washington, D.C. in October. There you go. Okay, so we talk a lot about telescopes here on Astronomy Cast, but you don't really need any special equipment to appreciate what the night sky has to offer. Just head outside with some sky charts, maybe a planisphere, some friends, and hot chocolate, and you're good to go. Let's talk about what kinds of things you can see with just your eyes. And, you know, before we did this episode, uh, you know, the real title should be Astronomy with the Naked Eye. That, you know, not, not Astronomy with the Unaided Eye. But, but, the, but the spam filters. The spam filters. I know. So this is the thing, right? Is if we say that, if we put that as our title, then kids um, won't be able to access the site because their nanny filters will go off. In fact... Whoever's doing the transcript for this, don't use just the leave word the, naked. Don't leave this whole part out. It's not even in there. So, so that's the as a webmaster, this is one of the sort of little pieces of experience that we that we built up <laughs> is to never use that word when we're talking about astronomy with the unaided eye. So, unaided meaning no binoculars, no telescope, just your eyeballs enjoying astronomy. And if any of you have problems with nanny filters and my last name, this just occurred to me. Some of you may be having that issue. Let us know and we'll figure out a workaround. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay. So this, I love doing this. I mean, this is, this is what for me, a lot of my favorite part of astronomy is just being able to go out, take some friends outside, show them the constellations, especially when really interesting things are, are happening. So, so what kinds of things like general class of things can you see just without any telescope, binoculars, anything? The most amazing thing, and this requires going out in the dark somewhere, like really dark, like drive so that you can't see a city on any skylines. Drive to the middle of nowhere, take a tent, take a sleeping bag, take a friend, take food and water, and look up in the summer and just absorb the Milky Way. Yeah. It's it's the most amazing thing. And if you're in the southern hemisphere, the dust lanes through the the Milky Way 
at one angle, it looks like an emu. At another angle, it looks like a floppy-eared dog. And you can actually lay there with your friends and just spend the entire night going, and the dust lines look like, and just making mm-hmm. stuff up like you're looking at clouds. And so what And so, what are these dust lanes that we're seeing? Well, it's a combination of, first of all, there's this bright stripe through the sky that's the equivalent of where the disk of the Milky Way is. So we live embedded in a pancake of material. And if you can imagine holding a giant 10-foot diameter pancake up with a hole off-center and sticking your head in the hole, where you look around and see pancake, that's the disk of the Milky Way in the sky. Now, just like you can't look all the way through the pancake, because, well, there's pancake material. You can't look all the way across the disk of the Milky Way because there's dust. And so when we look out where we see really bright, it's literally thousands and thousands and thousands of stars packed side by side, lighting up this bright stripe. But there's also lots of dark molecular clouds, lots of cold gas, lots of stuff out there that's just blocking the starlight. And the dark bands through the Milky Way is where it's particularly dusty. So to see the Milky Way, you definitely have to get out of the city. You have to get, I would say, 30, 40 kilometers away from a city to really start to see it. Uh, We can see it where I live. I live in in a city, but it's a not a very bright, not a very large city. And so uh, and it, it's still, the Milky Way doesn't look that nice. And if I go, you know, a few kilometers out of the city, then things get a lot darker and a lot, and a lot better. Yeah. Where where I live in southern Illinois, I can't see it from my house, but I have a horse, uh, an old mangy-ish. Not really. He's very cute. I have an old horse. And the barn where I keep him, if I hang out too late, I can see the Milky Way out there. So if you have a friend with cows or horses, likely if you're out at their barn and you shut the lights off, you can see the Milky Way. But I think in general, everything we're going to recommend, the further you get away from the city, the better. Whether you're seeing comets, meteor showers, the, you know, the planets, anything, get away from a city. And also, the later you stay up, the better it gets. So, you know, if you're going to start to see some stars, t- you know, 10 o'clock at night, <laughs> it's a completely different story when it's 3 in the morning. Yes. It, well, and the other thing with 3 in the morning is people shut off all their house lights. So as people go to bed, the sky gets darker and darker as all of the lights get turned off. And you can actually see that in how many stars you can see. Yeah. One thing I'll do when I take the kids camping is is we'll just go to bed at a normal time, but I'll set the an alarm. And then at two in the morning, I wake up everybody, (laughs) the whole family. And they're like, oh, I don't want to. And then then I show them the start. Oh, yeah, this is good. And then we, you know, if we're watching meteor showers, et cetera, then then that's what we'll do. And then you can really appreciate it. Then it just blows your mind. And and this is the year for the meteor showers. And we're starting to come up on it. And um, so, so I know you're looking forward to August. Yeah, in 2010, August 2010. So if you're listening to this after that, I'm sorry, you missed out. But August 2010, the meteor showers are going to be just two days. The Perseid meteor showers are just going to be two days away from a new moon. So you're going to have the darkest possible skies. Plus, you're going to have a triple conjunction. You're going to have three uh, planets very close to the, to the moon. I think it's Jupiter, Venus, and Mars are all going to be very close to a crescent moon. And then you're going to have the Perseid meteor shower. So, so right now, put on your calendar. August um, 12th, 13th. August, August 12th and 13th. 
the thirteenth is a Friday, so you can have it. You know, you can you can <laughs> go you know. out and celebrate your superstition with a doubly superstitious night. Uh, well, no, but also it's you know you don't have to work on Saturday, so you can stay up really late. Yeah. So. And and they're estimating 60 meteors per hour with this one, which is fairly consistent. And Perseids often puts on a nice bright show. Yeah, really bright one. So so make sure you do that. Find some friends, schedule a time, go camping the 13th of August, 2010. Or the 12th. Either will be fine. Okay, so we've so we talked about the Milky Way. What else can we see with our with just our eyes? Well, it it varies with the year, not with the year, but with the time of year. And since we're in summer, we might as well start with with summer. One of one of my other favorite objects to search out. There, there's two of them actually. The easier one to find is the Andromeda Galaxy. You can actually see it as this fuzzy. Wow, is there really something there? Wait, if I turn my eyes sideways, wow, there's something there. I look directly at it, it kind of disappears. You have to learn how to use your off-center vision to see it best. But Andromeda actually shows up as something fuzzy the size of a fingernail up on the sky. And that's about as cool as it gets. Isn't that about the, the most distant thing you can see with with the unaided eye? It, in the northern hemisphere, it's the only galaxy that can be seen by normal people on a regular basis, naked eye, and it just really stands out. It's off the legs of the constellation Pegasus, and it's fairly easy to see. It's going to be a really late night object this time of the year. And then it gets higher and higher in the sky as we get towards fall. But right now, early in the morning, it's it's up as a morning object. Those of you who uh, see the sunrise, just get up a little bit earlier and it's there waiting for you. And so the other object, though, that is perfectly high in the sky right now is M13. This is a globular cluster, so something that's out of the disk of the galaxy. It's literally a a cluster of thousands and thousands of really old stars packed into a tight ball that if you did look through a telescope would look kind of like a dead bug splattered on the eyepiece but it's it's in the constellation of a warrior and there's just this fuzzy splatter print on the warrior's chest that's hercules right it's hercules it's in the constellation hercules and you can see the summer triangle which is actually made up of three different constellations right but it's but in the summer it's that it's your go-to constellation first and it helps you find the milky way because the milky way goes right down the the center of the summer triangle so this the three corner stars are altair which is in aquila the eagle vega which is in lyra which is a type of harp and then deneb which is in cygnus the swan and aquila and cygnus are both flying along the milky way Right. And so they will be pretty, in the summer anyway, they'll be the three, pretty much the three first stars that you see. And then you can just watch them over the course of the night as the rest of the, the constellation fills in. So with summer, and then of course in summer, later on in the evening, Perseus comes in quite nicely. Right. Which looks like this, well, from my vantage point anyway, an upside down V. And and between Perseus and Cassiopeia, there's the double cluster, which is another thing that if you're in a dark, 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 dark site, you can sort of go, oh, there's something there. Yeah. And then you look at it and it disappears and yeah, something faint. 
But Cassiopeia is always striking to look at because it's either this big number three or this big W or this big letter M, depending on what time of day it is. And there's people who actually learn how to tell time as a function of where in the year we are by looking at Cassiopeia. It, it's really neat to take these very linear constellations that are up all night and watch through the night as they rotate through the sky. You, you can also do this with the Milky Way in both the northern and the southern hemisphere is as you watch the Milky Way through the night, it will slowly rotate through the sky, which is just fun. And it's the summer right now when we're recording this, but there are other things that look quite great over the course of the year. Right. Although it gets colder for anyway for us <laughs> <laughs> to go outside. So just to, to bring one more thing up as, as we stay in the summer is if you live near the equator, you are a lucky soul. And the object I'm about to mention can be seen by both of most of both hemispheres, and that's Sagittarius, the teapot. Right. Yes. Although in the southern hemisphere it wouldn't hold any water. Upside down teapot. Yeah. Yes. But it sure looks like a teapot. Absolutely. No question. It, yes. And it, imagine just taking your little kids out and you can do the I'm a little teapot song and show them where on the sky the spout is and the handle is. And it's just a neat way to engage little tiny kids in astronomy. And Sagittarius, when you're looking at it, you're looking at the center of our galaxy. And you can actually start to figure that out because as you look at the Milky Way, you can see how it's much wider when you're looking at Sagittarius and then it narrows further away. Right. And then other times of the year? So moving into the fall, we start to get Orion starts to join us in the sky. We have Andromeda high in the sky overhead, and we're just losing Sagittarius come September. It's it's a very early evening object and sets very quickly. Orion is, I mean, Orion is great. I mean, once you learn Orion, you you you'll see Orion's belt. You'll see the the make up the shape of the shoulders, even like his shield and sword and then inside the sword is the orion nebula another one of those blurry spots on the sky and what's really cool about the fall sky is you can go out and you look at the orion nebula the the fuzzy sword and those are stars that are still in the process of pulling themselves together there's going to be supernova in the future of all these young, bright, bright blue stars burning themselves out and exploding, but they're not there yet. The stars are still in the process of forming with the smallest ones. And so as you look at Orion, that's a star forming region. It's going to become an open cluster. So you see open cluster in the making, I guess. But then if you just look a little to the west, um, closer towards the ecliptic, towards the constellation Taurus the Bull. In that general direction, if you keep going past Taurus the Bull, you get to the Pleiades. And this is an older open cluster where all the stars have formed, where almost all the gas has been consumed or blown out. And you're now looking at the Subaru car symbol, and you're seeing what Orion will become in the future. Stars are a little bit more spaced out, and it even gets better because if you now go back to Taurus and you pause at Aldebaran, the big burnt orange star, University of Texas, symbol is the bull, Taurus is a bull, burnt orange, University of Texas star. Can you tell where I got my PhD? Um, (laughs) 
this is where the Hyades cluster is. So as you're looking at Taurus, there's this over density of stars that's kind of spread out. And that's what the Pleiades will become in its future. So here we're looking at three different versions of the same object at three completely different ages, all within a few fists of one, one another on the sky, this whole set of stellar evolution traced out. And a little later into the winter, we start to get Sirius coming up in the night sky. And that is the brightest star of the sky. Right. And it's also a star that you can never make this out with any normal human telescope or your eyes, let alone. Sirius also has a white dwarf companion. So when you're looking at Sirius, you're actually looking at two stars, a normal star and then a little white dwarf beside it. And then what about into spring? So as as we get into spring, well, now we have Gemini, um, the twins, Castor and Pollux, straight overhead. And Cancer's out. And Cancer, if you're in a dark site, you look at it, and there's this triangle of stars that you can just make out. But in the center of this triangle of stars is this fuzzy cotton ball. And that fuzzy cotton ball is another cluster. It's M44. And it's just really dramatic and dark enough skies. When when I was down at Sutherland Observatory in South Africa a few months ago, I had to ask somebody, what's that big, bright, fuzzy thing over there? Just because it was so shocking. And I hadn't been in skies that dark when cancer was up. So that's that's something very dramatic. And it's interesting to watch as the year progresses, just seeing how everything changes. Because come March, we still have the Pleiades in the sky. We still have Orion, but they're now in completely different places. And it's that March of the constellations that a lot of people just don't notice. And when you take the time to notice it, every year it's like you get to watch your friends come back in the sky. And those lucky ducks that live in the Southern Hemisphere have a whole bunch of stuff that we just have no way of seeing in the North. Right. And it's it's really shocking if you go to a dark site in the Southern Hemisphere because the large and small Magellanic clouds look like someone took a fistful of Milky Way, tore it off, and threw it to the side. And literally, it's like a fist on the sky worth of extra stars. Wow. And you can see Alpha Centauri, which is the, you know, the, the, the system that contains the closest star to, to Earth, which, you know, we can't see from the north. And the Tarantula Nebula. Now, I know this is supposed to be all uh, unaided observing, but the one object, if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, if you visit the Southern Hemisphere, if you think about visiting the Southern Hemisphere, you should go for this reason. If you look through just a 12-inch telescope at the Tarantula Nebula, you're actually looking at the face of a tarantula. It it really surprised (laughs) me. It's just like big face staring at you through the eyepiece. So we've talked about some things that we can kind of see all year long, quite dependably. So if you go out in August, you're going to be able to see the Summer Triangle every year. So what kinds of of resources would you suggest people take to, to find their way around the sky? So the best thing you can possibly do is either print out the monthly sky maps that you can get at skymaps.com. They're good. They're solid. They update them every month. They're free. Mm -hmm. And they tell you where the planets are. And 
And one of the things that periodically throws me off is Leo the lion periodically grows a nose that's just a planet that wandered across the ecliptic. And it's good to have sky maps to let you know what these strange, mysterious additional stars and constellations are. Yeah, so free. You know, go to skymaps.com. You can print off some free sky charts and you're set. Uh, or if you want to spend a little money, get a planisphere or even I like Nightwatch. Yes, um, Nightwatch is good. Yeah. And there's a yearly, if you love big, beautiful, stunning art, there's a yearly sky calendar that comes out that you can get through Sky and Telescope that is supersized. It's about 18 inches tall and just has the most amazing artwork. And it updates you on every year's how good are the meteor showers going to be. And the meteor showers can vary a couple of days each year. So I was born during the Geminids meteor shower, but it's not every year on my birthday. Right. And this is this was the second part that I want to talk about, which is some things happen on very specific days, right? And these are the meteor showers. So you can go out any day in August and see the summer triangle. You don't have to be that, you know precise about it but if you want to see the perseid meteor shower then you do have to really go out within a couple of days so there's meteor showers that you can see what are some other objects that we can see well one of the neat things to challenge yourself to do each month is to be the first person to see the crescent moon there is nothing quite as magnificent low on the horizon as a couple day old moon that is visible only just as the sun is setting. And so that's a a fun challenge. Then there's the times when a moon and planets are side by side on the sky. So these are just random events that have beauty and you can go out and it's neat to think I'm looking right now at the same time at Mars, Venus, and the moon. And that's kind of cool. A few years ago, Jupiter passed in front of the beehive cluster. And so you get these merging of different events. And then there's also solar and lunar eclipses as well. So we're going to have a partial lunar eclipse coming up on June 26th, a solar eclipse coming up on July 11th, another lunar eclipse coming up on December 21st. And with these good star charts, they can help you keep attention to when are all of these different things going to happen. And you can also see some stuff that are man-made as well. There's uh, satellites. So if you spend any time outside looking up in reasonably dark skies, you're going to see satellites go overhead. Again, you know, one of the games that we play is who's the first person to spot a satellite. Yeah. And then if you're organized, you can go to the NASA website and you can find out times when the International Space Station is going to be flying overhead or the space shuttle or Hubble. And, and another good resource to go to that also lets you in on the Iridium satellites and random spy satellites and even comets is Heavens Above, which is heavens-above.com. Yeah. And you can put in your location, specify latitude and longitude, and Google Maps will help you figure that out. 
and it will tell you all the cool stuff with 10 days worth of predictions of what's going to be over your place on the planet. And there's for some cities, Twitter feeds that are set up by Rob Simpson of Orbiting Frog. So if you're in New York City, for instance, you can go to Over New York. If you're in Paris, there's Over Paris. And there's a whole variety of different cities he's set up. And I think he'll often set up new cities if there's a bunch of people who are interested. And these will Twitter at you when a satellite is overhead that you're able to see. Yeah, once again, I would really recommend going to the NASA site, find out when it's going to be going overhead, find out when the space station is going to be flying overhead, and and schedule a party, schedule a time that you, you you and your friends are all going to be outside and you're having a barbecue and then it gets late and then you've got the timer go off. You go, okay, everybody, the space station is <laughs> going to go overhead and you gather everyone around and you look up and right on cue, the this super bright star shows up over the horizon and crosses the sky in in about you know a couple of minutes and it's gone right and everyone will just think you're a genius and and there's also just neat things that we can't always predict how cool they're going to be like comet comets yeah yeah last year comet not just came out of nowhere no one knew how fabulous this comet was going to be and it's back again this year. It's um, it just barely visible. It's magnitude 5.6. It's hanging out uh, next to Perseus right now. But there's often comets that crop up at least once or twice a year that are easily seen with unaided eyes. And it's just really cool to go out and see these pieces of ice that might have originated in another solar system. Yeah, and once a decade you'll get a, a comet like Hale-Bopp. Yeah. Or Hakutake? Hyakutake. Hyakutake. Uh, and with those, I mean, you've really got to get organized and get out of town and see that with dark skies. Uh, a friend of mine and I went and we went on a road trip to get out of Vancouver to see Hale Bop. And it was just astonishing to see that comet on the, on the horizon. Just amazing. And and Comet Hale-Bopp is is one that when it was up, it was, you looked at it and it was a large chunk of your windshield. And then when Hiakataki was out, I was observing at McDonald Observatory. And I remember it just happened to always be in my windshield when I was driving toward the observatory. So I felt like I was following the comet to the observatory. And it was literally half my windshield wide looking at it and just hung low over the horizon truly magnificent objects but they only come around every few years so keep an eye out for when they're around and then go just absorb the experience and i would also recommend getting to know when some planets are in the sky you know we'll usually announce some really interesting stuff on universe today but but there's other sites as well and you can you can say, okay, you get to know, and then we see the really bright Venus on the horizon, or you know, even high up in the sky, even a few hours after the sun's gone down. Yeah, and then you just tell people, you know, people like I just I will point a person towards Venus and say, hey, did you know that's Venus? And they're like, whoa, I didn't realize that I could see Venus, and then yeah, and there's Jupiter over there. You know, if it's off to the west in the evening, it's probably Venus. If it's high up in the sky and it's bright, it's probably Jupiter. You know, the first things to show up. If it looks quite red, 
it's probably Morris. And because Fraser and I both know the email is coming again, you will at some point in the coming months, as Mars rounds its way back around the sun, <laughs> get the email, and Fraser knows what I'm about to talk about, saying yeah. that Mars appears bigger than the moon. That will never happen. No. So when your friends send this to you, you too can laugh at them and then take them out and actually look at Mars, because Mars is cool to look at, because it is so amazingly red. and. Most people just don't realize you can actually see colors in the stars and there's reds and there's blues and you can actually, you do see the color Mm -hmm. except for green. There isn't green. And there's a little bit of astronomy that you can do during the day, which is that you can observe the sun, but in this case and the moon, that's true, but you can observe the sun. Just don't use your eyeballs directly, but you can use like a pinhole projector projector to make a to make the you know project the the disc of the sun onto the you know white piece of paper and you can actually see sunspots but don't look with your eyes don't look with your eyes the temptation (laughs) yeah yeah well that's great pamela i think we have is there anything else that we can see with i i think we hit the highlights and go out and fall in love with a star yeah so right now schedule the perseids on August 12th, 13th, get some friends together, do a sleepover, stay out late, leave the city, go camping. Remember bug spray, remember bug spray. (laughs) Sure. Um, (laughs) And and see the Perseids because you'll remember it your whole life. And we'd love to hear your experiences on the Bout forums where we have the astronomy cast pages. That would be great. Or just send us an email and that would be great. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Pamela. And I'll see you outside. Yes. Sounds good, Fraser. Talk to you later. This has been Astronomy Cast, a weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos. Show notes and transcripts for every episode are available on our website. Check it out at astronomycast.com. You can send us any comments, questions, or feedback to info at astronomycast.com. We read every email. The show is a nonprofit educational resource provided by Fraser Kane and Dr. Pamela Gay. We're supported through the kind donations of listeners like you. If you enjoy Astronomy Cast, why not give us a donation? It helps us pay for bandwidth, transcripts, and show notes. Just click the donate link on the website. All donations are tax deductible for U.S. taxpayers. You can support the show for free, too. Write a review or recommend it to your friends. Every little bit helps. Click support the show on our website to see some suggestions. To subscribe to the show, point your podcatching software at astronomycast.com slash podcast.xml or subscribe directly from iTunes. Music is provided by Travis Searle. The show was edited by Preston Gibson. Astronomy Cast is produced at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville, with generous support from Universe Today. 